when I was in the early 20s, learning cold approach, going out with girls that were, if not my age, uh, maybe this is, ah, ah, okay. Okay, so now we're hitting, we're hitting a bit of a block here by Fraser. Here's the block. If you guys know my shit very well, what you'll know is that I've made a video called Why Younger Guys Should Date Older Women. And the premise of that entire video, and you see actually, it's one of the very few videos on my channel that still has infield. And it has infield from across my entire journey from when I was 19 years old to late 20s. Or maybe it's maybe that was video was made a few years ago. So maybe mid 20s. Anyways, there's a lot of there's a very wide range of infield in there. And what you'll see, and the premise of that video was that I've spent the majority of my time in cold approach approaching women, if not my age, specifically much older than me. I've never made it a point to go after girls that were younger than me. I just didn't I just knew from the get I was always gonna learn more from girls that were much older than me. They it's literally the reverse of the baby daddy relationship. So now it's the boy mummy relationship. She's more psychologically mature than me. She's going to fucking run rings around me. Uh, I need to learn. My, my only key component that I can offer her is curiosity, tiger cub curiosity. That's what I got. That's what I'll use. But you know what's so beautiful about that is that for a younger guy who embraces older women and gets schooled on by their maturity, he develops faster. So he enters masculine maturity much earlier than other guys will who are only seeing guy, girls, who are only seeing women their age, girls their age. And so I found myself entering baby data relationships a lot earlier than my friends in terms of later stage, out of high school. Purely because I was... And, and this is where the separation, where I said there's a block. Because... Because most of my relationships and sexual relationships that have been incepted through real world interactions have been with women that are, if not the same age as me, that were older than me. And if not older than me by two, three years, sometimes 10 years, sometimes 10 to 15 years. I, I go hard. <laughs> go hard. I love me a MILF. I love me a MILF. So, so, so the reason what I'm kind of blocking on here is that the references from the online dating world are actually much more intense because I meet, if you were just to look at it, here, here's, here's what I'll say. If you were to take every single interaction I've done cold from real world versus every interaction I've had through online dating apps and you looked at the age demographic, you would see it's night and day. It's diametrically opposed. It's north and south. On online dating apps, I engage with girls far younger than me. Talking about 18-year-olds to early 20s now that I'm 28. From real-world interactions, it's always, oh, it's rare. It's very rare. I would say, when I say very rare, it's 10%. 10, 10 to 15% of my interactions across the last 10 years of doing cold social dynamics, it's getting closer to 11 now, have been from girls younger than me. It's 90%, I would say, have been, if not my age, but and probably... If you break down the percentage even more, 50 to 60% my age, and then, or if not, 50-50. 50% of that, 90%, so 45 being my age, and the final 45 being above my age. Could be even higher, though, in terms of approaching people who are older than me. So, so that's what I'm just trying to paint out for you guys, which is why, actually, the baby-daddy relationship stories, actually, most of them, they're, or the more aggressive ones formed on online dating, more so. 
It's not. It's not entirely true. Actually, it's not entirely. Well, I've. It's like it's not like they don't exist in the real world. So let me say this. Let me say this. Where I wanted to go with this was to give you guys what I've actually experienced. And we'll start with this one. Being, uh, what age would we say? I say it really started to dawn on me that, oh, okay, I'm the daddy now. Like, okay, we're just like, you're conscious of this now. It's like it's happening more than once now. It's not just like a role play that happens with a girl you've been seeing for two, three, four, five months, uh, or a year, two years. Now, this is like off the bat that girls are starting to call me daddy now. And I'm talking about, of course, sexually. Always start sexually. But how else would it start, right? Like it manifest like that. It always starts sexual, and then it can manifest out into other lifestyle factors. But the baby daddy relationship always starts sexually. When it first just dawned on me that this is, it's, it dawned on me that this is starting to happen really regularly now, and I believe it was somewhere towards twenty three, twenty four. Getting close to mid twenties, not definitely not twenty five, but the reason why I'm remembering this, why I know it's roughly around this age, is because I had come out of that two year monogamous relationship, and I was going hard on my cold approach, and I was just beginning as a coach in cold approach, in social dynamics, I should say, very heavily focused on dating, be roughly around twenty three, twenty four, and and particularly was just staying on examples from girls that I met on the street or out in the club, particularly in the club, because in the club. It's very sexual to begin with if you are starting to gain a handle on your sexual energy. What you start to notice when you go out at night is that things can get sexual very quickly. Now, this has not come easy. This has not come natural. Did not come naturally for me. Had to learn this. That it's actually sometimes the best opener is no opener. It's just to put out your hand, pull her in, and just start making out. (laughs) As caveman as that is. As fucking white knights and social justice warriors would hate to hear that, some of the best interactions I've ever had at night started that way. Not all of them. Like I'm saying, I'm not. Don't be a Jeffrey and think that that's the thing. Yeah, that's the only thing you do now. It's like if you ever saw me out at night, hey, you didn't make out like go up the head. <laughs> no, of course, don't be silly. If I'm going to meet a hundred people at night, I'm not going to be making out of a hundred people. All I'm saying is that. <clears throat> There are many an interaction, particularly at night, that things go to zero to 100 real quick. Real quick. If you have the intent for it, if you've got a partner that is down for it, that is, of course, reciprocating for it, and you can just see it in their eyes. You feel it in the way that they move. You feel it in the looseness, the touch of their hands and their body. You feel the sexual energy is flowing. It's connected. When I was roughly 23, 24 going out in the clubs, what I noticed is that, oh, now this is like because I've just come out of a monogamous relationship, which ended when I was roughly 22. And it's once I had started going out at night a lot, actually, and started going out, going out every weekend now, at least three nights a week. And so I'm starting to meet girls that are 18 out on their first nights. Girls that are 19. Girls that are on the 21sts. And even though, particularly for the girls that are 20, 21, I'm only 23, 24, you wouldn't think that there would be a baby-daddy relationship there because it's just not that much of a gap. What did I say before? Normally, these baby-daddy relationships have a five-year gap. It's normally on the polar ends of high school, of schooling. You know, year eights to year twelves, uh, 
but not but there are five year gaps. I'm just talking about the extreme there. Like you can there's because actually I mentioned before being a year ten, I had baby daddy relationships with girls that are in year eight, and being a year twelve, girls were there in year ten. But so I'm not saying that it can't happen a year or two year year or two below you, but you just see it more frequently when there's bigger the gap. That's all I'm saying. Bigger the gap, likely the chance of a baby daddy relationship. But when you get out of high school, I mean, looking at 21, the difference between 21 and 24 year old, or 21 and 23, it's is splitting hairs. Like it's, you, you're gonna have to see some. We're talking in general, of course. You're gonna have to really get me some. Uh, there's going to have to be some shit that's gone down in their lives. They're going to have to have done something proactively is what I'm saying. They're going to have to be from different places of different societies, different upbringings. Let me give you one right now. Beach kids are always more developed and more mature than city kids. Always. Always. Not only physically, not only are they always fucking hell, my God. This is something, this is something I've been wanting to discuss for a long time. In year 12, my friends, at the, in your last year of high school in Australia, we have this thing called schoolies. I'm sure you guys all have something around the world, but it's basically once your exams, your final exams are done and it's your final send-off and everyone just goes to a giant, either if, depending on what state you live in in Australia, most of us, we go to a beach town. You know, in South Australia, you go to Victor Harbour. In Queensland, you go in the Gold Coast, you go up to Surface Paradise, right? Basically, thousands, every high school from the state, every finishing class goes to the same beach town. They rent out entire caravan parks, which is where I stayed, or if you're uh, if you're a little more affluent, you rent out a hotel, you rent out an Airbnb. Airbnbs probably don't accept them anymore. Uh, but, you know, you rent out big big complexes and there's even like housing just made for this shit in certain areas and it's basically three to five days of just straight fuckery just straight fucking and fuckery just alcohol festivals beach in the day festival at night yeah it's just it's a fuck party okay all right it's just an absolute fuck party this is called schoolies and it happens every year for the finishing class of every single year of every senior class going finishing their final year of high school. Going out to Victor Harbour in South Australia, that's that's beach, right? It's an absolute beach town. I, being a city kid, had never interacted with or very I can't remember. I I never had a friend from the beach, from a beach school. Like when I was in high school, I didn't know anyone from a high school from Henley or from West Beach, or from anywhere near the coastline. I didn't know anyone from there. But this just didn't meet them. Like, we just didn't interact. We didn't, we, our school sports teams wouldn't play them. We weren't in the same districts, etc. You know, So there's really no connection there. And so I never really understood the difference in physical dominance, which is why I'm bringing this up. I never understood the maturity of beach kids. Kids who spend every day in the sun, who live in the ocean, and have parents that do that live this life, that surf, that swim, that do surf life-saving after school. That fuck, I just didn't know it. I didn't know what it was. And so when I rocked, when I rocked up to schoolies, and even though I'm year twelve, and I was used to, there were bigger. I wasn't the, I'm, by no means was I either the tallest or the muscliest. I was probably top ten percent though had the most, I was in the top 10% of having the most muscle mass in year 12 though. That's when I was really heavy. I was like 80 kilos. Now I'm like 
67 kilos, just for reference. The heaviest I ever got was like 80 kilos. There's a lot of fat on that as well, but it was, if you see, I've, I might put up a photo sometime on Instagram. You should see the size of my fucking shoulders back then. I would never want to live like that again. That was straight bulking. That was straight bodybuilder bulking. I was couldn't couldn't run to save my life though. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's not a good way to live. Could not see any abs at all. It was straight marshmallow mode. That would have been giant panda in the room mode for sure. No oh, man, so much fucking pasta and milk. Disgusting. I don't even think about it. Anyways, anyways, I was not small. Is what I was saying. I was not small. But when I got to schoolies, and it's like, oh, you see, you're, you're, I remember being in line on day one to get your wristband that gets you into the festival. And just seeing, oh, because everyone wears, everyone reps their school pride. Everyone wears their year 12 jumper that has their school on it, all the names on it, your nickname on it. And I remember seeing all these like Henley Beach guys, Glenelg, all these like beach city kids, beach, sorry, beach town kids. And their schools, and like these guys are fucking giants. They are, they're like, there's like the average height was six foot. The average height was six foot. They're all jacked. They've all got fucking deep beards. And like we could, we, we, we could grow facial hair. There's like a couple guys that had some beards in my year level, but it wasn't all of them. Like it was, it was like a, you were an outlier if you had a Gandalf beard in my, in my year, year 12. But these were just like, they looked like men compared to us. And it was a real eye-opener to me. It was a real eye-opener. Now, why? I have no fucking idea why I brought this up, bro. <laughs> Schoolies? Fuck party? Yeah? <laughs> Whatever it was, man. Oh, okay. 23, 24. That's, ah, yes, yes, yes. Here we go. So you wouldn't think there was a huge difference between 21s and 24-year-olds. They would have had to gone through some shit. Yes, that's where this tangent came from. And the shit I am talking about is growing up in completely different societies. Beach kids grow up in a different society. They eat differently. They train differently. They're raised differently. They, they literally get more vitamin D across their life than city kids do just by the nature of being by the beach. So of course, and of course, what is that going to mean for their hormones, their growth hormones? Of course, they're going to grow taller. Of course, they're going to have more muscle mass. If not only are they breathing better air, but they're also getting more access to vitamin D. They move more. They they are less likely to take buses and to spend all their time on computer games because instead of playing fucking World of Warcraft, they're out learning how to save people's lives in the ocean. It's they're jumping off the jetty. You know, it's it, it's it's just amazing to me. And so, anyways, anyways. They were much, much bigger, much, much more physically developed than anyone in my year level, especially on average. Like we had some, I had some big, very big, strong dudes. Shout out to Jared and Kieran, big, strong dudes in my year level. But they, even they looked relatively small compared to a lot of the guys from the beach towns that were at the final collection of all the year 12s from across the entire state of South Australia. Anyways. Splitting the difference between 21 and 24 year olds. I just, I just, I wanted to get into that because I've never mentioned it, but it fucking blew my mind every time. So, anyways, getting back on, it's such a huge tangent. It's almost like, how the hell do we get back to it? I know where we are. So, I was saying that 21, 24 year olds, you're not going to see a huge, it's very hard to tell the difference unless they have a huge difference in upbringing in terms of maturity, psychologically, like they've been through a war or something, 
or been from war-torn countries or physically they've been raised in a completely different way, fed different things. Farm kids, farm kids as well. Farm kids, different breed, different breed to city kids. Just bigger, stronger, going to live longer. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. It's so true. Oh, man. You take the average death rate of farm kids, beach kids, city kids, you know who's dying first. Okay, so... So, and the only reason why I brought this up was because I was talking about me going out into the clubs, bringing it back here, bringing it out of the clubs, I wasn't that much older than a lot of the girls that I was being. There were 18, 19 year olds, and we'll talk about those later in a second, but a lot of these 21, 22 year olds, when I was only 23, 24, I was feeling a lot of baby daddy. I was feeling a lot of baby daddy relationship between these, with these me and these girls. And I thought, and I look back, Particular particular relationships, girls that where things just was just straight fuck party from the word go. It's like the moment we met each other, we were tongues in each other's mouths. It's that deep sexual connection and even just talking with them, being up on the balcony of the club with them. In which that it's like I'm your daddy. It's like I'm your daddy and you're my baby. And she's like, What's that daddy? And she look at you with like, What's that daddy? Hmm? What do you want, Daddy? She'll she'll look at you that way, like, hmm, I know what you want, Daddy. It's like that that tease, that absolute tease of sexual energy. And I'm getting fucking riled. I'm just thinking about it now. You guys got to send me? (laughs) And uh, maybe because I've visualized the girl who was saying that particular one I'm thinking of, just this absolute dying piece Australian brunette, short black dress, oh, ponytail, oh, man. I probably shouldn't show it. Probably shouldn't say her name, but actually, it's been a lot of years. So Trish at the time, I remember, her. and and uh, she was a manager at the time, actually, as well. I won't I won't say the manager of what store though, because that would be stepping the bounds. <laughs> uh, okay, so anyways, before I get myself into some hot soup here, I remember having a lot of these conversations. This one girl in particular, I was just thinking of them, in which that from the moment that we meet, it's sexual right from the get. But even the way that we talk to each other, it's a clear gap. It's like there's a huge gap here in which that we actually are sensing that even though I know because I've not only asked, how old are you? She says she's 21. I said that I'm 23 or 24 at the time. It's only three years, three, four years, three years. But it feels like 10 in terms of maturity, in terms of psychological development and what physical dominance could be applied here. It feels like 10. That's the gap I'm really trying to inspire over in you guys. And where I bring this to an accumulation and to an accumulation point is, well, what have you been doing the last two, three, specifically if it was at 24, the last two years, but even before that, it's like you've been practicing social dynamics. It's like you've been practicing worldliness. You've been, you have been practicing physical dominance in terms of the ability to apply force with sexual pleasure. You've been practicing all these things. And not only have you been attempting to learn these things yourself with girls that are your age and younger, but most importantly, you've been getting schooled on this by people that are older than you. And that's why I want this is where I wanted to start this particular part of the podcast, this part of the podcast, was that my I benefited so greatly from spending so much time going after interactions and learning from women that were older than me because it helped me to inspire baby data relationships with girls that really you wouldn't think I would have that opportunity to. You think that there wasn't enough of a gap. But that's where I guess the fundamental point is, is that it's not chronology. Your chronological biological age does not determine the baby daddy relationship. Psychological maturity and physical dominance, those two things. 
So that's what I started to notice in real world interactions was that the age gap, the chronological, chronological age wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary at all. And I actually had to shift my mindset quite a bit. I had to shift my mindset a lot because one other thing I want you guys to take away as a tactical from this is that some of you listening to this probably have the capacity to enter baby daddy relationships, yet you are not aware of it. It's almost as if you don't even know what you don't even know. Here comes a client story. Client that I was working with, it's probably six months ago now. No, probably four, four, maybe, maybe, maybe six. Somewhere between four to six months ago, I was working with this particular client who was studying in Australia, studying a degree, and he was in a live-in accommodation, which means that basically several hundred uni students live in with the same apartment dorms, same apartment block, essentially, and they all go to the same uni, which is the campus is somewhere nearby, and it's basically uni accommodation. But it's not, don't think of it like uni accommodation in terms of like it's on the campus itself. It's kind of separated to the best of my knowledge. Like it's almost like they're playing mini adult. They're playing mini real world, if you know what I'm saying. So there's this sense that while they are, it's not like they're just in boarding school. That's what I'm trying to give you guys the idea. It's not that. It's a little bit more upscaled. It's a little bit more mature than that. There's seniority within the apartment blocks. There's this feeling of that first year uni girls and third year or fifth year, are there's big gaps and very similar between the girls to the guys. This is what he would describe to me. This is what he would paint to me. One thing he would also paint to me is that, you know, there's like commun- communal uh, eating areas, you know, places where you would all sit down, have dinner and have lunch together, et cetera, have your meals. And one thing that he would describe to me was how, there was this one particular girl. He didn't mention that it happened with any other girls, but we worked one, we worked one on one with this particular scenario, with this one girl who kept making these comments. He's like, I'm, "Adam, I'm not sure if she's." He gave to say, "Adam, I'm not sure if this girl is interested in me," but it's like she keeps making these sly comments. Like every, like when I walk into the room and she calls me chief, she's like, "Hey, how you going today, chief? <laughs> What's up, chief?" And <laughs> and not only that, but there were other things in which that, oh, not going to hug me today? But not going to hug me today? What does this sound like, my friends? Does this sound like the wild feminine energy I described earlier in the podcast that's trying to touch a fire? Trying to shake the room up? Trying to break the frame a little? Trying to test? Trying to, trying to see what she can get away with? It does. He couldn't see it, though. And that's why I want to bring up a story. He didn't understand why she was making these seemingly indirect comments, seemingly indirect displays of interest, but he's not even sure if they are displays of interest. It's just, is it just her just being annoying? <laughs> is it her just being her, just being kind of quirky? Is that, why is she doing this? Is where the first part of this, uh, first part of our work of this came together. And I said to him, listen, uh, listen, mate, X, call him X. When you were in high school, do you ever recall girls in year levels younger than you doing this? And he's like, yeah, 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 especially like, even if you just can't remember one-on-one. What about friends? He's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, those girls are interested in you. And he's like, oh, she's interested in you. Oh, when she calls you chief, 
She's doing that because she's trying to rile you up. She's trying to shake you up. She's trying to poke the bear. She's trying to start a fire with you. She's trying to test to see how hot the fire could get if she start one, if she were to start one. And this was an absolute mind blower for him. For those of you in this podcast, you're going, well, yeah, but that's because you've listened to this podcast up until this point. But if you aren't even aware of what a baby daddy relationship is, that one of the main inception points for a younger girl to gain the interest of an older guy is to play fire, to play baby daddy. Baby daddy might, because because of the word, you might associate a very nice vibe to it, a very playful, benign, unaggressive, calm, gentle, gentle, that's the word. You might associate a very gentle connotation with the baby daddy relationship. No, no, no. I think I've done enough in this podcast to display that. No, it's very feisty. It's very aggressive. It's very fiery. Baby daddy relationships are rooted in sexual energy and rooted in the testing of fire. And so there's going to be, and so, th- and but this is just one of the things you never fucking get. No one fucking tells you that when she says, hey, what's up, chief? Or what, not going to hug me today? Or where she throws a jab at you, that she's jabbing because she wants you to jab back. She's jabbing because not only she wants you to jab back, she wants you to throw her right across. She wants you to slide that uppercut in. She wants to see how hot the fire can get. But stop just before you connect with the chin. She doesn't need the lights turned out. She just needs to know that you could turn the lights out. My client couldn't was absolutely mind blown by this. He's like, when I said to her, listen, if you were to do this, how about this? Just try this. Next time you come in, you just treat her as if she's the baby. This is my direct instruction to him. Is that the next time you see her and you go into a whether it's in the hallway, whether it's in the eating area, you just the next time she throws a jab at you, zero to hundred with her. Throw the right cross. Which is to say, you walk in, she comes in, she comes in with a little bit of fire and she says, uh, look who it is. What do you think you're doing here? Well, I guess you're not going to even hug me again today. And all you need to do is say, all right, listen, let's just call Jenna. All right, listen, listen, Jenna, you fucking come with me. Let's go. And you literally walk. You say, you look at her straight out, you go straight out to her, listen, Jenna. You say, There's that devilish smile. You can hear my voice. Listen, you need to fucking come with me. Let's go. You walk, you walk out to the hallway. She's going to follow. And you say, all right, particularly with this one, I need to make sure that I keep this accurate (laughs) because I was about to say what I would do, but I remember my client at the time. Okay, this is what I advised him on. This is the best case scenario, but also we had to work within what he was physically capable of. So there's two things I need to explain here what I would actually do and what I actually got him to do. Two different things. Okay, so I've already started what I would do, so I would finish what I would do. So I would be that aggressive. I would say, listen, she comes in with that jab. It's like, nah, I'm not even going to hug me again today, huh? Come back right up into it. Listen, all right, listen, John, you need to fucking come with me. Let's go. All right, devilish, childish, playful. Go to the other side of the hallway. She comes, pull her in, take her by the hand, eye to eye, staring down the barrels. Just stare at her, look at her lips a couple times. Don't say anything. She's going to giggle. She's like, what? What? What, daddy? What? Start making out of her. Done. Done. Obviously predicated on all of the signals being incorporated the entire way through. 
if you read it right, she'll follow you through to the hallway. If you read it right, when you look at her through the eyes, you feel the magnetism, you feel the sexual energy being conveyed. When you look down at her lips, she looks down at your lips. You see, you feel these are sexual cues. When you take her hand, she grabs tighter. She puts her hand around your waist. All these things are coming in. Obviously, I'm not going to say this during the story. It ruins the fucking story. But now you understand the principles underneath it. That's the best case scenario. However, if you are not even aware of what a baby-daddy relationship is and to take control and command psychologically and physically in that way when she's asking for it, and you weren't even aware that she was asking for it, that's going to be too much. For me to ask my client to do that would be way too much. So we need to scale back to what is within reason for him to achieve, which is just to say, have a direct and open conversation with her to clear the air, to get direct intent on the table, which is that next time she throws a jab, he came in. What actually happened was that, yes, next time she threw a jab, I can't remember what the jab was, but yeah, something to the effect of uh, Big Chief. Big Chief, where's the hug? He says, hey, listen, can we talk for a second? Let's go talk. And he, got, he took her outside and he just told her, listen, I'm feeling, I'm feeling something here. How do you feel about, how do you feel about meeting up? How do you feel about getting to know each other a little bit better? Let's go for a cheeky walk. Let's go for a quick. And they had a couple of dates actually down by the lake, up in the mountains and down by the lake. And a cheeky kiss here or there as well. I won't say any more than that, my friend. That was the much more PG-13 rated version, but, but same principle applied, which is that the way that you cut the shit with a girl who is, well, it's not even just the way that you cut the shit. It is though. It is not the point, the main point of what I'm trying to say. Let me finish it though. The way that you cut the shit with a bait, with a, girl who's playing baby is that you play daddy if a girl's asking you to play daddy play daddy but for those of you who are unaware of what it means to play daddy this is what it is taking control taking no shit treating her as if she's baby and what to treat her as baby what does that mean what that means is not to degrade her to not to diminish her intelligence as if she's a baby who is incapable of navigating the world that is not what it means to treat her as baby to treat her as baby is to infuse the interaction with such a intoxication of intense sexual energy in which that i'm a dominate i will dominate you psychologically and i dominate you physically all to the point of burning never to actually burn but to the point of burn which means that, and that is in wherein lies the empathy. Some of you guys would think of that. Some of my Mr. Nice guys would go, but Adam, it just sounds too dark. It sounds too dark for me. Like I can't be that dark. It's like, it's not dark as long as you don't burn her. Because if you don't burn her, it means that you've had to walk the entire journey with her with empathy to rate and to be calibrated as to what her temperature is at. If you notice that you play a little too hard on daddy, in which that you were a bit too abrupt, you were a bit too harsh of her, either verbally or physically, and you saw that she didn't get sexual pleasure from that, then you know, ah, that's her burn point. Back it up. Back it up. You can choke too hard, of course. You can be too curt. You can be too arrogant. You can be too brash for that particular girl. Find the level. Back it up. Walking through with empathy. So it's... That's what it means to treat her as babies, that you're infusing this, that think of, think of it, think of it when you, when you're just, you're, you're in a bakehouse and you smell bread baking, when you smell 
delicacies baking and you're in that bakery, it is so intense, the smell. When you are cooking, well, for me personally, I don't know that I eat baked goods anymore, but I, but I still remember that shit. I used to be a fat boy, all right? <laughs> I used to be a real fat boy. <laughs> you guys, we, listen, we all go through a fat boy stage in our life, except for those gods out there, except for you gods. Listen, I, I only, listen, there's three things I like to do in this world. I like to eat red meat, I like to train, I like to fuck. That's what I like to do. Okay, so I eat red meat, and so to me, the most intoxicating smell is when you're on that barbecue, when you're on that grill. You got a 60 to 120 day dry aged rumpo, porterhouse, or scotch filled, or you got yourself a ribeye, you got yourself a 800 gram T bone. And you just got that fat marbling. You got that wagyu marbling. You got it's just the smell is just it's so intoxicating. When you're at the petrol, when you're at the pumpo, and like I said before, you get a whiff of that fuel, that fumes from the fuel. And even though it's like, oh, it's like so it's not a good smell, but at the same time, it's so fucking intense. It makes you feel alive, which is why people get high off of it, which is why people sniff petrol. Right? That's a thing. The thing, particularly in Aboriginal communities in Australia, was a big thing when I was in primary school, was uh, Aboriginal kids that would get gasoline bottles and they would get high off of it. Because you can get high off that shit because it's so intense. That is the that is what we are looking to achieve with a baby-daddy relationship, to overwhelm her with psychological maturity and physical dominance, all with sexual intensity that is so undeniable, so encapsulating, so intoxicating that it creates this both a vacuum and a container at the same time it's like she's been vacuum sealed into this and she has no choice but to just fucking let go to submit to her sexual desire no sure no sure all willing all willing of course nothing done against the will I shouldn't even have to say that, but it's fucking 2021 and people can, people can take things out of context. So, it's like, of course it's willing. Who on, earth, who on earth would rape a woman? Like, What goes through your mind? What goes through your mind when you see a woman and go, yeah, I want to force her against her will to have sex with me? It's like, what pleasure is in that? What pleasure is in that? The only pleasure to be derived is the pleasure that she will give you. And it's like, you can have your way of a woman's body, but if she's not willing to give the pleasure and allow that to be set free, it's like, I don't, I don't understand what you get from that. It just doesn't make sense. It does not make sense to me why someone would rape someone. It's just, it's like, I get it logically. I can, I know, I understand logically that a lot of, Rape cases come to do with their past history of the fact that they were sexually abused and that they're seeking to fulfill a self-fulfilling now prophecy in which that prophecy, self-fulfilling loop in which that, hey, listen, I need to rectify what was once done to me. And now it's like, this is my, this is my attachment. This is my framework scaffolding for navigating reality in which is that this is how I was treated. So this is how I'll treat others and so many other different psychological mindsets. I'm sure we could dive into around rape, but on a referential, experiential thing, it's like I could never look at a woman and say, yeah, it's okay to rape her. Like it, that would be a pleasurable thing. Like, man, man, we got off on a tangent. 
<laughs> we go up on a tangent. Anyways, anyways, coming back here, coming back here. So, baby daddy, baby daddy. I said we'll get to the online, we'll get to the online ones. So we haven't really talked about any real sexual details yet, though. We've been talking about it mostly psychological from real-world interactions. And which that what I noticed, and I'm getting back to it here now, getting back to my real-world interactions, I always say that. But we're diving back up the top. This is kind of how podcasts work, is that what you would imagine is that if you're in Hong Kong, and you know the way, <laughs> it's so fucking, it's like, so fucking seedy, it's so bad. You know, in Hong Kong, the way that they construct buildings and how you just, you've seen it in all the movies, is that, especially with Jackie Chan movies back in the day, that all the scaffolding was done with bamboo. Like when they're working on buildings, it's like there's no steel scaffolding. It's always bamboo. And, and man, it just looks so shady. It looks like it's going to break at any moment, even though bamboo is ridiculously strong. Which is why I guess they use it. But why did oh bamboo shoots? That's the way that I work in podcasts. Is that we have like a top 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 level scaffolding, and we just work our way through the bamboo. And so when I say getting back, that's what I'm talking about. We're just going back to the top of the bamboo scaffold. So back of the top, real world interactions. What I notice is that baby daddy relationships. When you start to learn cold social dynamics, there's not much. There's no chronological gap required. Very little, very very little. It's very much just based on so the two key factors: psychological maturity, physical dominance. Now those two things, and what you start to notice is that seeing these faces and seeing these eyes and going back to these stories, and now yes, finally wrapping it up. You have to be aware of it to play on it. I can look at those first few experiences where I consciously became aware of that, oh, I can be her daddy. And she's actually asking me to be her daddy. The way she's talking to me, the way she's looking at me, the way that she's jabbing at me, it's like she's really asking for it. She wasn't asking for it. But I never grew up that way. I didn't grow up as a natural. I had to learn social dynamics. I was tending on becoming a natural before I made two critical errors in my social development at roughly 15, 16 years old, which forced me down the path of having to learn social dynamics. But nonetheless, I still had to learn social dynamics. So I never learned naturally, and because naturals wouldn't, wouldn't have a bar of this podcast. Naturals would not have a bar of this. They would go, baby, daddy, relationship. It's like, nah, it's just, of course younger girls like me. Naturals just, they wouldn't be able to break it down. It's like, of course natural girls like me. What do you mean it's because of my psychological maturity? That's not based on intelligence, but worldliness, and also my physical dominance and my ability to provide a vessel. That wouldn't make any sense at all to a natural. Of course not, because he's natural. Much it on. However, the ability to turn it on consciously comes through the process of coach social dynamics is what I've learned. Live there. Working with that client from that point on, he now consciously is aware of what it means to play baby daddy. And that now, when a younger girl starts to get feisty with him, and isn't communicating direct displays of interest, isn't literally saying, yo, I think you're super sexy, I think you're super hot, but she's just actually given a lot of a lot of pull moves. She's pulling energy away in the terms of the push-pull dynamic. She's making a lot of jabs. She's, she's testing a lot. Actually, it's like, no, put her in her place in a sexual way, in a playful way, but put her in her place. Adorn the psychological maturity that she perceives you to have. Because it's not even what... This is what I'm saying. You have to wake up to it. Sometimes, maybe a lot of times, maybe it's the time that I had to wake up to it as well. As well. I know my client had to wake up to it as well. It's just like, you always had the capacity at a certain, oh, always is not the right word. Always is the right word from a certain point. Once you have developed a certain level of 
worldliness, when at least relative to the girl you're in front of, of course, because then I know you guys are going to ask, well, what is that level? It's very much relative. It's relative to the point of no return. What do I mean by that? Let's say you've been, you're an Australian dude and you've done a trip around the US for a couple of weeks and you met some people and I don't know, maybe you've done a, done a, oh, what can I add in there? You played with a few different sports teams on a state level. You've done some trips for different sporting events. You've intermingled with a, a few different races. Maybe you got some friends that are not only African, but also some Greeks. You know, you got some culture. You've been cultured a little bit. But not that much, right? Just a little bit. And you just say you're early 20s. Well, if you meet an 18-year-old girl who's from South Australia, who's never left the state, who all her friends are white. She's never even left the country, let alone the state. You are going to seem relatively, extremely psychologically more mature and worldly in which that you have the capacity to instill a baby-daddy relationship, at least psychologically, permitting that you also have the physical ability as well, physical dominant point as well. But if that same prototype that I just gave you, or stereo, no, prototype is the right word. If you if you take that same prototype of the guy who's you know maybe been on one trip overseas, has a few multicultural background friends from parents that have been mutually set up and you know warm setups, and has done a few little sporting trips here and there around the country because he's state level in something. Let's say that he meets a girl out that has done a Kentucky tour in Europe that. <clears throat> has gone on a university trip down to the Papua New Guinea to work with the the the, uh, the turtles. She works with the turtles. And that she has also got a grandfather who regularly expeditions down to Antarctica to measure the ice caps. And she goes with him. <laughs> she's been now relatively, and let's say that she's younger than him. This is the point. Is he relatively more psychologically mature than her? Most likely not through his worldliness. Most likely not. Now, I know some of you are going to ask, but is worldliness all about the things that you've done? No, I'm just painting what those things would give you the opportunity to learn. I said this before the beginning of this podcast. I'm not going to go over it again. But I can sense some of you might get confused with it because we haven't talked about it in a while in terms of this session. Which is just remember, it's about the mistakes you make. That forms wisdom. It's about the wrong turns. It's about the nights spent in the place that you weren't supposed to be, but you survived anyway. Doing things wrong, getting them right eventually. That's what amasses worldliness. Different locations, space, time, energy. Space, time, energy. That's what we're talking about. Okay. But she's younger. She's relatively probably going to be more psychologically mature. And so the baby-daddy relationship probably is not going to exist between those two. So that's And now we talk about there's levels to it until the point of no return. There is certainly a point of no return. And this is going to be... I, I've never articulated this before, so let me just... Let me just with this. The point of no return in which that you could create a baby-daddy relationship regardless of how psychologically mature... Or physically dominant she is. Oh, 
there's a very large part of me right now that wishes to say that words can't describe when it happens. But I'm I'm racking my mind to find the point at which it happened. <laughs> what, okay, maybe if I try to explain how it feels and how it felt, or how it feels, that's the right word, the right tense, then maybe it will work our way to it because I've never actually had to articulate the point of no return. It's like it's something you feel. There's something, and what I'm describing, yes, yeah, so I'll describe how it feels. How it feels is that it doesn't matter how old she is, it's that when you get into a sexual space of her, and when I say it doesn't matter how old she is in terms of maturity, it doesn't matter how psychologically mature or physically dominant she is and aged in that, it's like you will always now have this mentality that I am the daddy. Even if she's chronologically 10 years older, 15 years older, even if she is very worldly herself, very mature herself, ability to provide the vessel herself, ability to be physically dominant herself, you still feel that you're the daddy no matter what. And because you feel that you're the daddy, you act that way, which means that she has no choice but to play baby. That she's not going to enter mommy and you're not going to become the baby boy. She's not going to be mommy. You're not going to be baby boy. She's going to be baby girl. You're going to be daddy. I just, I don't even know how to describe. What I'm stalling on here is the point. What I'm describing, the point of no return is that it does eventuate because that's how I feel now. And in every relationship that I have now is that I'm at a point of psychological maturity and physical dominance that it doesn't matter where that feminine being is at in her life. I'm going to be a daddy. That's it. We have stumbled upon quite a gem here, my friends. This seems somewhat of an impasse for me because it's almost like trying to describe the indescribable. What I was trying to get to is that when does that happen? When, when, what do you have to do to get to that happen? Let me make a conjecture. Everything I'm about to say is a conjecture because to be honest, even this is the first time I'm thinking about it, if this is the first time I'm trying to articulate it, Maybe my best conjecture to when this point of no return happens is an amassing of experience of being daddy. When you go through enough baby daddy relationships to the point in which that, ah, this is what it is. It's like I inspire this feeling in her so much, in, in female being so much, that they always see me as the daddy and they always want me to play that role and they always want to play baby role. To the point where that you get so much reference, you get so much experience of it, that it's now just your way of being. This is just a natural sexual set point that I'm going to be daddy and she's going to be baby. We're going to have this playful role between each other. I think that's my best conjecture. Because, because, here's why. This is where the online dating experiences are going to play in which i didn't describe before i noticed this over the last like i said before prior to covid i didn't even have the apps installed on my phone for a meaningful period of my life for several years for most most of my cold for most of my cold social dynamics between 20 to what am i old now 28 to 26 six or so years did not use them like i said i only had i only reinstalled the online dating apps to create uh, to upscale my knowledge when COVID happened so I'll be able to create content on it so I was aware of what you guys are going through and to be able to just not be a buffoon and know what's happening. 
if I'm going to make a podcast saying how to use online dating apps during COVID, I better be using them during COVID. So, so I use them for that. But then also when I finally, like I've made, I've discussed this in previous podcasts, I did an online dating experiment, the ODE, the ODE, in which that once I, once I got this big tattoo piece done, I wanted to see, did this change my sexual market value based on the online dating app's number one currency, which is physical looks? Does this change the play? Yes, it did. It had tremendous change. So after that, now I can use the apps for fun. And that's always my core principle, just so you guys know. With online dating apps versus cold social dynamics, cold social dynamics will always be number one. You always learn the most about yourself and others through real world human interaction. If you're going to use online dating, you're going to use it for fun. You are not using it for learning. Use it for fun. Can you create meaningful connections on it? Absolutely. Can you meet amazing people on it? Absolutely. Is it the preferred way of doing both those things? Absolutely not. You would all prefer to have stopped her on the street, to have pulled her away from her friends in the club, to have seen her in the coconut oil aisle, and to have asked her about that coconut oil at the end of the night. Online dating hours to be used for fun only. However, looking back on the last two years, well, yeah, yeah. Well, how long have we been going for COVID for? It's really since COVID. So March last year. So it's not even two years. It's like over the last, it's like the last, and let's say the last year and a half then. Year and a half. The amount of younger aged girls, younger than me, so 18 to early 20s, that have not only, if not started, they messaged me first, that never used to happen. Never used to happen when I was younger, when I messed around with online dating apps when I was younger. Never get the first message. The girls would never send the first message. I'm talking about Tinder specifically though, not like Bumble where they have to. All of a sudden, I'm getting a lot of messages where they're messaging me first. Not all of them. Not I wouldn't say more than 50%, but what used to be 0% is now 35 to 40%, which is a ridiculous increase, especially when you're talking about hundreds of matches. Now also looking at it beyond that, the way that they message me, if, 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 if we've got to separate the two things here, if they message me first, it's always almost something very sexually connotized. It's almost always a sexual connotation, aka, or i.e., hey, hot stuff, or hey, sexy man, or some direct form of compliment referring to the sexiness of some kind, all right? You guys notice I dropped a word there, sexy man, not sexy boy. Not sexy boy, but sexy man. Something, I huge thing that I noticed on online dating apps in the last year and a half, that younger girls don't refer to me as guy or boy. They refer to me as man. Did not say this in early 20s. Did not say this. <clears throat> now, of course, on online dating apps, they can see my age. It's 27. Obviously, the number's 27 on my age. But 27's... Especially for girls that are in early 20s, it's not that much older. It's like, it's not, it's not 30. It's not 30. The number 30, even though it's very close to 30, is a very different thing psychologically to 27 or 28 or even 29. The number 30 is a big number when it comes to dating apps, particularly. Especially if you're under 20. 20 20s to 30s, it's like, it's kind of not, you don't pay a lot of difference. But if you see a 19, you see the word teen see 18 or 19 yeah that's a big difference so getting referred to a lot more with the word man getting a lot more 
open messages off the bat that are showing direct intent off the bat. A lot of messages that, and a lot of connections of girls now, that they're just happy to get straight into sexual talk immediately. Like basically no connection at all. Happy to go through onto, here, let, let me guys give you what example. Could we give you a real example? That this was literally last week. This one is a bit of a mind blower. In terms of attractiveness, how old is she? She's 19 as well. She, uh, I messaged, I was sent the first message just saying, I gotta remember not to say their names. It's so normal for me to say names, but I'm not. So I said, hey there, with her name, with an X. She comes back saying, hey there, with an X. I said, your doggo is a cutie, but your fingernails look like they'd leave me or puncture holes with a wink face. She comes back saying, only if you want me to leave puncture holes with a wink face. I come immediately back saying, hmm, a young lady likes to play rough, hey? She comes back saying, yes, very much. I say, tell me more, dot, 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 dot. She goes, what do you want to hear, daddy? With the wink face, tongue poking out emoji. And I say, daddy is perfect. With the wink face, do you have snap? And we transfer over to snap. That one is too perfect. In which that she says, what do you want to hear, daddy? There, There is really what I'm trying to paint out is that that's the first conversation that's the escalation of sexual pace I'm talking about, there is the the inception of baby-daddy relationships off the bat that never used to happen, now happen all the time. It's, it's very, it's like commonplace. It's very common now. And I just, I want to I want to roll back up this now. I want to start to bring this podcast. We've been gone for a little bit. We've been gone for a little bit. This has been gone for a while. We need to wrap up physical dominance though. Uh, what? Oh. But do we did we wrap up physical dominance? I'm not sure if we wrapped up physical dominance, but but I know what we're on right now, which is that I was going through my experiences now, which is why why I didn't want to that's right why I didn't want to bring this podcast until about now, in which that now for me it's the point of no return, in which that it seems that it's just always daddy now. It seems that I'm always going to be in that scene in that role playing that role because not only am I consciously aware of it, like for example. For example, that doesn't happen. What if you guys? What you guys just heard doesn't happen. Doesn't happen without my sexual escalation of adorning the daddy relationship. If you look at the way the conversation progressed, I sent the first message saying, "Hey there," with her name, with an X. She comes by saying, "Hey there." I say, "Your dog is a cutie, but your fingernails look that would leave me a puncture holes." That's very sexually inviting. That's very sexually suggestive, right off the bat. Right off the bat. But I recognize, of course, I know she's a younger girl. And I'm, if I, I talk about the point of no return, if I'm going to be playing this baby daddy relationship, if this is the thing that I not only I enjoy, but it's just my way of being now, then, then of course, that's what it's going to be. There's going to be a sexually polarizing message, as there should be. And she comes back saying, only if you want me to leave puncture holes with a wink face. So that's just a straight green light. So, of course, so my next one goes into, hmm, so a young lady likes to play rough hair. Yes, very much. Tell me more. What do you want to hear, Daddy? That fast. It's like that. Yeah, it's just, it's where we're stumbling on again is the point of where that became a natural thing. And I, I really can't tell you because for me to tell you when it became natural would I couldn't because it's just it's the accumulation. I think it's just when you've had enough of those experiences and there's one experience there's one sexual experience in particular. There's one, there's one, there's one, oh, there's a few. No, there's not one. There's a few, actually. There's many, actually, where you now we talk about physical dominance here in terms of a very real physical dominance in which that 
We talked about strength and force in terms of physical dominance, and we'll finish this on the physical dominance part. But we have not talked about actual biology here in terms of genitals, in terms of actual your piece, right, and her pot. Your piece and her pot, we have not talked about this, which is that when you're an 18-year-old girl, 18, 19, 20-year-old girl, and let's say you've had the average 18, 20, 19-year-old girl has probably had somewhere between one to three sexual partners. Any more than three is very sexually advanced for a girl who's 18 to 20. And I mean like full penetration. That's definitely sexually advanced. But, you know, I, I, it, would not, it would be within the range of normality for a girl to have had one between one and three sexual experiences within her first, between, within her first 18 to 20 years of life, okay? The types of guys that she's been used to, even though she may have been in slight, the beginnings, the formations of baby dad relationships in those sexual relationships. So what I'm talking about there is she might have been in year 10, she might have lost her virginity in year eight, nine or 10 to a guy that was two, three years older, but he's not done growing. He's not done growing, right? His piece is not as long as is, and thick as is going to be as compared to when he's 25 or 30. Same thing when she's 18. If she's an 18-year-old girl and she's only been with girl, guys her age or two to three years older, you know, she's used to a certain circumference. She's just used to a certain thickness. She's just to a certain length. And that's just very on a very physical level. Not to mention the psychological mindset behind what one would do with that circumference and length and girth and thickness and and uh, intensity. So, oh, hold on, my friends. We've got someone who's just about to come in. But actually, the garage might be open. Okay, my friends, we're back. So we're talking about the physical capacity that she's experienced and capability that she's experienced. An 18 to 19-year-old girl that has only experienced two, three years above her in terms of physical development, it's a very big difference now if you're going to talk about six, seven, ten years of physical development beyond that. There is a daddy-like essence. I talked about before that you don't have to be a silverback gorilla. And you don't have to be. But we're talking about relativity here. A silverback gorilla can appear, a regular ape, a regular chimpanzee can appear to be a silverback gorilla depending on the relativity of age. So if an 18-year-old girl has only been with 19, 20, 21-year-old guys, then a 28, 29, 30-year-old guy, not only in terms of his sexual ability and his sexual capacity and his sexual uh, endowment and sexual development, not only that, but also his physical development as well. You put those two things together, that also really can ignite the fire of the baby-daddy relationship, which is something that I've been experiencing quite a bit. In which that, when I was younger, when I was in twenty early 20s, and when you would send nudes or you would do phone sex, in which involved video, or you do doing things like that, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get certain reactions that you get now. You wouldn't get reactions like that I get now, in which that I remember in particular social Q and A, where we're talking about is if a is one of the sexual appetite. It might have been the sexual appetite episode. It might have been a different episode, but anyways, basically it was a girl that lived in a different country, and it was one of the first times that we had done any form of sexting. 
And the first time that I had sent her a video showing my piece, that her initial reaction was, you would destroy me. And she wasn't like, and you might think she wasn't a tiny midget of a girl. She wasn't an absolute midget. And so, but this became a, this has been a regular thing now. This has become a, a general thing. Because if you're an 18, 19, 20-year-old girl who's never been with a guy who's on the later ends of 20s, get, and now some, I know some of you in your minds, particularly with males would say, but, but what, what if you're just small in general? Then of course this doesn't apply. This of course does not apply if you're just going to be small in general. But if you've got a, if you've got a small piece in general. But if you've got some thickness and you've got some, particularly thickness and girth more than length. Like obviously it has to be, Reason has that reasonable length to look like it could at least slide in and out the full way in and to fill her up, you know what I'm saying? But girth is very intimidating, thickness is very intimidating, and I mean, intimidating in a good way, in terms of like it's uh, it's almost like because you can imagine it is obviously relative, but if you were to have a slightly smaller piece, like a well, shorter, I should say, slightly shorter. So you'd say, let's say seven inches rather than nine. So not nine, but seven, but extremely thick, like 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 a oak, like oak tree thick. But then you've got a nine inch piece, which is longer, but is relatively thin. And it looks like you could fucking snap it. It's like the one that is more appetizing that I've found from a female perspective is definitely the one with more girth because that's the one that looks like a monster. It's the one that looks like it feels that it would be hard to take very horse-like if you know what i'm saying and so what i've noticed uh through online this i'll bring this up for just sexual reference is that comments comments reactions that you get from girls from just from a physical dominance point of view as you start to get older from 18 19 year old 20 year old girls as they say you're gonna have to be gentle with me i get this a lot from girls now nowadays when i'm 28 is that you have to be gentle with me because you're gonna fucking split me open you're gonna spare it and it's not like and by the way guys i'm not an absolute monster i've got some pretty intense thickness and girth and it actually increased as I went on to the carnivore diet and then progressed into animal based. All that means is now is that, yeah, I've, I've been pretty much carnivore for the last almost two years, year and a half. The only thing is that I eat honey as well, which is debated within the carnivore, whether that's still carnivore or whether it's animal based. But anyways, it's red meat and honey, essentially a little bit of fish, a little bit of fish, red meat and some honey. Anyways, my girth increased, uh, noticeably once I transitioned to that along with height and also foot size as well, which I mentioned at the beginning of the, beginning of the podcast, which is amazing. It's actually amazing. Imagine if I had been on animal-based carnivore from when I was a baby. I can't even imagine. So, but anyways, but now we're bringing it back here. So I'm not trying to paint to you guys that I'm some absolute monster down says absolutely not. I would say, I think I haven't measured myself since I was in high school when we actually mattered about that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how long I am. But it's definitely no longer than, I wouldn't say it's any longer than seven. I wouldn't say it's any longer. Oh, man, I don't actually have fucking no idea. What does seven even mean? I need to get a ruler. All I know is that I'm not a monster, yet I'm getting monster reactions. And what that means is, what I'm talking about is relative. Relativity here. Relativity is that there's definitely some allure in the baby-daddy relationship to just being a guy who can not only manhandle you, but has physical capabilities, not only with the psychological intent that I mentioned before, but is just physically the when she grabs your arm or rests her head on your chest, that is just bigger. It's just stronger. 
that it's just thicker and it's just longer. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know that sounds like it contradicts what I said at the beginning of the podcast, which is why this is an ending statement. This is more of an anecdote. This is not an actual instruction instruction point because I can't instruct you to go out and get a longer <laughs> and and uh, I'm not telling you to go lift more weights. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to lift more weights. I'm not telling you to go on an animal-based diet and see if your dick gets bigger. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when I did these things, and listen, I've always been in shape apart from my fat boy days, which even when I was fat boy days, it was still, it was a lot of muscle underneath it. It's still a lot of fat, but there's a lot of muscle underneath it. So it didn't look bad. It didn't look like I was fat. It just looked like I was, you know, you know those young 18, 20 year olds that are drinking too much milk and eating too much pasta, eating too much shit, too much pizza, but they lift a lot of weight. So you can see they're just bulky. They're just bulky. Like there's no tone to their muscles. There's no separation in their muscles. They're just bulky. I've been through that stage when I was younger. But now I'm hard as a rock. I'm almost always around. In summer, I'll be around 6 to 7% body fat. In my winter stage, I'll climb up to 10, and it will float between 10 to 12 as I'm getting, as in winter typically is when I like to, particularly at this moment, I've gained four to five kilos over the last, uh, since summer ended. Summer, I was 63 kilos, and I'm currently sitting at almost 67. So about four kilos, and I'd say I've climbed to about 10, 11% body fat. So maybe half a kilo of that is body fat and three and a half kilos has been muscle, maybe roughly around there, something around there. It's been a lot of muscle gain. And so with, a, with not too much fat gain, not too much at all, actually. Actually, it's starting to come down quite a bit now. Now that I'm swimming more as well. So anyway, it's like, but anyway, it was looking at 10% body, who's someone who's 10% body fat is still, it's a good thing to look at. You can still see the outline of the abs. You might not be able to physically get your fingers underneath the abs, but uh, you can see where, where they are. Why are we getting into this? <laughs> Why do we get into this? Oh, what I'm saying is that even though I've always kept always good shape, I've always been in good shape, and I can fluctuate between being in insane shape, where in summer we're talking about low single digit, uh, mid to low single digit body fat percentage, but you don't have to be. You don't have to be an absolute ginormous gorilla. It's just that I won't also deny that relatively being a physic physically bigger definitely inspires a something in the baby daddy relationship and also the thickness size of your piece as well generates a certain a certain not not just it's not just the sexual stimulation in terms of like oh my gosh like that's gonna that's gonna fill me up but more so in which that what I'm trying to paint is how that relates to the psychological dynamic of the baby day relationship, which is why I mentioned the reactions in which that, okay, you're going to have to be gentle with me. Okay, you're going to split me open. Okay, you ragdoll me. These are the things that I commonly hear a lot. From, you know, from particularly from younger age demographic baby daddy relationships. I just feel like you guys would enjoy listening to that. It's, it's an interesting thing to me. It's an interesting thing to me because it's something that's very clear there, that happened at a certain stage that I didn't used to get that reaction, but now I do. And and what's most important about it is what's most important to me about it is because I'm not an absolute monster. It's not like I'm throwing around some 10-inch, just swinging around some 10-inch log. You know, it's not, it's not like that at all. It's not a foot-long subway out there, right? Mm-hmm. 
So it's 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 just interesting to me. It's very interesting to look back on the last ten years of engaging with feminine beings and to look at the different the way relationships incept, to look at the way the dynamic plays out, how fast baby daddy relationships incept, what the keys have been. You look about this podcast right here as we bring in a summary. It really has been these two things. We look at the two keys to I say incepting, but to be honest, it's like how much of this is conscious? How much of this can you consciously affect? Well, I know for sure the psychological maturity, not all of it you can consciously affect, but at the same time, it's not something you're going to go out today and see. Listen, who said it? Was it Marcus Aurelius? It might have been Marcus Aurelius. It might have been, no, it was Epictetus. As Epictetus once said thousands of years ago, that all things have to happen in their time. That first, first the tree must blossom and then it must bear fruit and then the fruit must have time to ripen. And no matter what you do, you will not speed up that process. You will not change that process. The tree must blossom first. It must come to bear fruit and then it must ripen its fruit. These stages must happen before you reap the fruit. So, so what I'm saying, I feel like that mindset is what needs to be applied to what everything I've talked about here is that you need to go ahead and blossom your tree, which to me is the work. It's the work. It's planting. It's the roots. It's deepening your roots to have a healthy tree that would blossom, that would then blossom, that would then come to bear fruit, that would then come to ripen its fruit and to provide a product to someone else. You have to be working. It's a working process. This is not something that happens in a day. It's not something that you're just going to wake up tomorrow and go, okay, baby, baby daddy relationships, baby daddy dynamics, let's do it. And it's, but at the same time, some of you may be asleep. It go, it's like there's so many dynamics here. It's like at the same time, some of you may have already been deepening your roots. Some of you may already have blossomed your tree, bare fruit, and now have ripe fruit, yet you're not even aware that the fruit is ripe, aka my client, who actually had girls pushing on him to incept a baby daddy relationship, but he wasn't aware that that was even a thing, that it was even a thing and that he was actually privy to it and capable of incept- of incepting that and and going and executing through it. So, so be aware to those of you who are a little bit older that actually do have some psychological maturity, that do have some physical dominant standpoints. You got both of these form factors in. Be aware of, okay, what relationships in my life or when I've been going out at night or been going out on the day or been out on a day with a girl and I see that actually she's been a little too cheeky. She's been a little too feisty to the point of where it's almost annoying as if she's attempting to get me to put her in her place, to come back at her, to fight back, fly back at her, fire back. You know, it's like, turn up the heat. She wants to get burned? Let's turn up the heat. You sure? Let's see. I encourage you to go through your relationships and see where I've made these mistakes, where that could have been possible, how I'll potentially act upon that next time. And and listen, this, the thing we might be just wrap on this is, why would you want a baby daddy relationship? Why is this good is the question. Why is this something of interest to you? For me personally, if you're just asking me, it's the most sexually, it's one of the most sexually exciting things I can imagine. It's the thing that probably turns me on the most. 
You know, one of the most popular one of the most the most popular porn category porn category, I believe, is uh multiple people. Multiple multiple guys onto singular female. So what do they call that? Gangbang. There you go. I believe gangbang is the most searched for. But then closely underneath that is the family pseudo relationship, the MILF. The MILF to stepson. I believe that is very closely followed below. Uh, below. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong from Sex at Dawn. Someone, I think it's Sex at Dawn. Chris uh, Ryan talks about that. Anyways, I would not be far off with it. I'm pretty sure Gangbang's number one and then the MILF is like the second. It's even second, top three for sure. In terms of what guys search for. But if you look at what girls search for, if, you, if we could even get the stats on that, if you would just ask me based on my intuition... It's like, what type of porn would girls want to watch? They would want to watch porn with guys that are psychologically more mature and more physically dominant. And it's like, and they'll, they'll seek out for that. And the reason why I say that is because that's just what I've experienced. It's what I've seen. It's what I've seen with clients in which that young girls hunger through it. Throughout my entire life, I've seen it. They hunger for that psychological maturity and that physical dominance from a worldliness standpoint on the psychological maturity from the vessel-like emotional care. And also not even just emotional care in terms of nice romantic love, but also ability to be indifferent to her storm. Something very attractive about that and wholesome about that. But then also on the physical dominance standpoint, the ability to apply force with sexual pleasure and also just there towards the end, the very fact of a relative physically bigger body, stronger body, and also physically more developed physically more developed genitals than what she's ever experienced. And there, I just, I need to hammer that again because I don't think I hammered that strong enough before. That, I want to cover my base here. I want to, I don't want to be on third base with a catcher's bit. <laughs> Shout out, boy. Uh, if she's only ever experienced a guy's piece that is 18, 19 or 20, just the fact of you being 28, 29, 30, on average, you're probably going to be bigger than him just because you've had more years of development if you've been eating right and et cetera and developing and growing. You don't have any other outlying issues, right? If you have certain genetics as well, of course. Even just your ability to use that piece, which is what we talked about before. It's, it's a different world. It's a different thing. And of course, that would excite a girl. And it's... It's, and so coming back, why is it so exciting to me? Why is it a good thing to pursue baby daddy relationships? And now here's the thing. Here's the thing though that we asked at the beginning of the podcast. And I said that we would talk about it towards the end, which is that, but is this actually what you want? Do you actually want baby daddy relationships in which that you're an older guy who's constantly with younger girls? And I say no to that. Nuance, caveat, until you reach the point of no return. See, I never used to chase baby daddy relationships and I don't chase is the wrong word. I never used to find interest in them. I wasn't pursuing them. I wasn't seeking them out. I wasn't, I was indifferent to them. If you'd asked me in early twenties, you know, it's like, do you really like, do you like younger girls more than being of older women? I say, actually, no, I probably prefer being older women just because that's what I was seeking the most, learning from older women. But it's like sexually, what do you get off more on being on with a younger girl or with an older woman? For me, in my early twenties, being with an older woman. But it's but it was until I had amassed a certain amount of reps in my psychological maturity and physical dominance that now it doesn't matter what the chronological age gap is. It doesn't matter what the psychological or physical gap is. 
I'm, I just, I'm daddy now. It's just, I'm daddy now. It's the way that I play sexually. This is my sexual play. So, so, so it doesn't matter how young she is. And now the chronology matters because I don't find it as spiritually fulfilling to be of younger girls and also psychologically for a lot of the times. Psychologically, a lot of younger girls are just fish. And <laughs> is what it is, relative, of course. But in terms of like, you know, if you've got a girl, I'm not talking about the, the gems. I'm not talking about the outliers that have been, that are worldly. There are worldly younger girls for sure. So don't fucking cut me a new one if you're a younger girl who's worldly. And that is spiritually explored and has explored herself in general. But for the most part, a lot of younger girls have not been through the worldliness that can compete, that can be a good match for me. So I don't really get it. I'm not seeking that. So a lot of my sexual experiences with 18, 19-year-olds don't go beyond one, two, three nights. You know, it's very sparse. It's very interspersed. It's a hot flash because I don't really want to hang out with them. Who I want to hang out with is the woman that's going to challenge me. But even so, I can still incept a baby-daddy relationship with her because not even I'm not even trying to. And there's the point of no return. It's like once you become so conscious about it and you rep it and you reference it, then it just becomes a part of you. And then all of a sudden now it's just like you just always play that psychological maturity and more dominant. Just dominant psychologically and dominant physically in terms of sexually. And remember, sexual doesn't just mean penetration. Sexual also means the way that you interact with each other on the day-to-day. Yeah. It also it doesn't also mean it also does not mean that you are ever condescending or degrading of that person just because you're daddy and their baby. And sometimes people only apply their baby daddy relationship to the sexual realm. That's that to me seems a little disjointed. It seems a little incongruent to me. To be honest, it's it's like it always filters out. It filters out through everything that you do if you spend enough time with them. I guess it depends on how much time you spend with them. But 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 so to finish that question. Is it something you would want to? Is it, there's two questions there. Is it something you want to pursue? If you, it depends who's listening to this. If you're a younger guy, what I would say is plant your roots, right? Deepen your roots, blossom your tree, bear your fruit, and let it ripen. Go through those processes of your entire twenties, doing those things, which means developing yourself on all fronts of the temple: purpose, physical, mental, social development, understanding your true nature of life in the inner garden, right? developing yourself into a being of supreme excellence. Develop your psychological worldliness, your ability to provide vessel for other human beings. Of course, amass the physical development in which that you can be dominant, but also knowing how to use that most importantly. You don't need to be a silverback. It helps if you are. Don't need to be. What helps more is if you know how to use that silverbackness, if you know how to use that physical dominance, the ability to choke, to spank, to tease, test, bite, pull, etc. of hair, of everything, limbs, skin, of energy. Develop your experience and your knowledge and your wisdom of how you would do that with a human being. And then as you get stronger and as you lift more weights and as you uh, swim more in the ocean and run, dip, dive, dodge and everything else that you're going to do, climb and, and use your body and use your mechanics as that physical body develops, your psychological intent to use that physical body becomes more dominant and then all of a sudden you find yourself bearing fruit towards the end of your 20s in which that, oh, so I'm not just that fish at the end of my 20s who still can't create a baby daddy relationship. You know, what's actually more important as we now end this podcast is more so, more than you being able, 
Let me say that again. More than you wanting to create baby daddy relationships, it is more important that you are just able to. Whether you are conscious of it or not, or or even desiring it, which I don't I don't I don't know a guy who doesn't enjoy a baby daddy relationship. I don't I don't. And so I'm saying don't enjoy. I'm not saying isn't seeking, but I'm saying don't enjoy. It's like if you had asked me at 20, even though I wasn't necessarily seeking baby daddy relationships, I certainly would have said no to it. Right, it's still sexually very entertaining. But it's more about just finding yourself at the end of, as I say, the end of the journey. End of a journey, I should say. It's more about finding yourself at a point of development in which that a younger girl of development, psychologically and physically, would look at you and sense such gap, such pull, such, such magnetism to the point of which that, oh, this guy's going to burn me. This guy could burn me. I want to see how hot he gets. And it's in that gap, in that space of a girl wanting to test how hot can he get. Touch the fire, test the fire. What I'm saying here is, have you developed your temperature? Have you developed your fire to a temperature in which that you would inspire that magnetic pull from a girl to go, oh, how hot is he? I want to see how hot he is. That's really what we're talking about. That's what's most important to me because what that speaks to is the internal development. I've given you guys anecdotes in this podcast of just cool shit that happens along the way. Reactions you get, comments you get, the speed of sexual pace that you get that that seems to happen with younger girls when you enter these baby daddy relationships. You see these things start to happen, but it's not actually the focal point. It's not the reason why you would do it. If you were listening to this and went, oh, oh so I want to I get into baby daddy relationships because it means that I can just go straight down to Foxtown getting straight into sexual interactions off the bat really quickly with younger girls. It's like, no, you missed the point of the podcast. It's that you've just developed yourself to such a point in which that you've created that space in which that the fire is so alluring, so enticing, so mystifying that she must know. She must, she must know. And that's why, and in must know, the speed comes. In the must know, the speed comes. Whew, mama, what a, what a solo. This is one of the first three-hour solos we've done in a long time. Most of the solo BDPs only go for around two hours, two to some. I think maybe we've done a one four-hour solo. But this is this is social Q&A length. Social Q&As normally go for three hours, but that's me going back and forth with you guys. Ah, the social Q&As were a good run, but I've been enjoying these solos, been enjoying these BDPs because I can get into real runs. I can really get into the flesh of things. Just the social Q&A is a two-stop start. So anyways, anyways, not saying we won't do lives in the future, but just for now, I'm feeling these solos. So my friends, this, this has been the wrap-up to why younger girls I want to age up, why younger girls are liking, interesting up on older guys. Yeah. Key point, develop yourself. Develop yourself. Of everything I've said, if that's the only thing you take away, be aware of it, but develop yourself. Enjoy it when it comes, but develop yourself. You get validated really easy, develop yourself. Stay on your path, all right? Stay on your path. I guess today's podcast is more just me being summing up the last 10 years of social dynamics in one specific line of thinking, of one specific line of social dynamics. This is just one part of it. 
This is just one part of it. We could talk about, or we, we could do the very same podcast on, or not the same podcast, we could do another podcast on all my experiences with older women. And you would hear extremely contradicting ideas to what's been in this podcast because it's a complete polarity shift. And uh, that's that's the journey that I love. That's what social dynamics is, is that you learn so much from so many different people and at the end of it all, your roots only get deeper. Yes, you produce, yes, by going down the journey of social dynamics, of learning how to interact with human beings, you're going to produce more fruit and that people are going to want to give you their fruit. But it was never about that. It was always about how deep your roots got. And the deeper the roots you get, the stronger you become. Us. I thank you all so much. I thank you all so much for being here, for listening to this. If you made it through the entire session, you get my respect. If you've been switched on, of course, not just twiddling your thumbs, twiddling your old Jeffrey thumbs. If you're here on YouTube, don't forget to drop a thumbs up on the video down below. That'd be most appreciated. Help support the channel. If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to do that. Hit the notification bell so you get notifications when the next videos come out. And also, guys, drop me some comments. Drop me some feedback. Pipe up in the chat box, in the comment box. And if you had any big realizations, any feedback, any questions, I always come back and answer questions. And also, if you want to be featured in any of these podcasts of your particular stories, you can always uh, you can always email me. I, you can either drop us a comment or most probably that's better as an email over at boldojo.com, B-O-W-L-D-O-J-O.com. You can find all the links down in the YouTube description, Spotify's t- subscription as well. It's probably there. Send me emails through there. Hit me up on Instagram at uitang1, double O-I-Tang1. Connect with the content over there. Don't forget to share this with a friend. If you feel like you got something from it, help someone else out. And yeah, I'm going to call it right there, my friends. So it's been a great sesh. I really, really appreciate you all being here. and wish you all the absolute best in your lives. Much peace and much joy. Ja. That was too good. That was, <laughs> that was too good.